0: Okay, so thank you, everybody, for coming, uh, attending the Zoom share. Uh, Bezat Hashem, maybe next week or the week after, when we have time, we'll continue back in the shul itself. It depends on the Wi-Fi situation, basically. But uh, so comes the end of the the, uh, COVID saga. So last week, we left off speaking about the Brachot of Kriyat Shema on Shabbat, right? So everyone's familiar with the Yotzer Or of Shabbat, and we described how most people think that Yotzer Or on Shabbat is unique, that it has its own, uh, that it's a, a different Yotzer Or from the weekday. However, we showed last week that it is in fact the same uh, Brachot of Kriyat Shema as the weekday. However, there's four sections of the Brachot of Kriyat Shema on Shabbat which have interpolations or insertions that are specific and unique to Shabbat. Now, these uh, insertions are poetic in nature, and historically, they were ex- the there was a time of evolution for which piyutim. According, yeah, there was a time of evolution for when the um, piyutim uh, got chosen in the Goanic era, and finally, when everyone settled on specific piyutim to say those retain the consistency throughout most of Klai Yisrael through you see the Ashkenazim, Adim, almost everybody retains uh, a common set of piyutim, and we all say the HaKol in we say Keladon instead of Kel and we say la Shabbat almost uh, unanimous, uh... universally and it seems that all roads pointed towards the Geonic era, that most of these uh, piyutim were written in that time. There were Rishonim who reacted to this uh, practice, like the Sefer Team and Behudabai Zilai, and he believed that we should excise all of them, delete all of them. We don't put piyutim into the, into the uh, Yotzer. We should take all of them out. There was a Minhag in Toledo that they didn't say La Kela Shavat. They believed it was gaonic in nature and therefore they didn't say it at all. However, with the passage of time and the printing of, of Sidurim, uh, as we described the last time we learned, the canon of the Sidur became to retain all of these piyotim in the Yotzer R. And there's a remarkable consistency among the surviving rites that. Um, we don't always see. Uh, it, this points to an early or uh, like an early stage of settlement when there was a, an, an agreement among people in B'nai Israel to agree on certain poetic insertions on Shabbat while other ones which they deemed inferior fell away. And we, we mentioned some of them last week. Uh, I remembered seeing a section that the... Uh, hold up. That was only in the Machso Roma. And I f- because I haven't seen it in Art Scroll, I didn't actually, I never knew about this insertion. There's this section uh, that Ashkenazim will say after Yotzer Or Vorei Shalom Vorei If they're about to say Yitzrace or Piyutim, poetic insertions for Yamtiv, they'll start with the words Or Olam Beotzer Chayim Orot Me'ofel Amar Those words. And in the Malchzor Roma, the Roman, the Italian uh, uh, rite, the Nusach, they actually have this on every Shabbat. They say those words every Shabbat. And we found a manuscript last week where they, where this was the beginning of a longer piyut that was said somewhere in that they found in the Cairo Geniza. So I did not realize this. I'm just uh, as an ignoramus saying that the Archul Sidurim don't publish those words at all in the Ashkenaz Sidurim. However, the older Ashkenaz Sidurim, the ones from Germany and Poland, they do publish those words. They say, we do say this if we're saying Yetziris. So I guess the, the, the Archul decided to only put it with the Yetziris while, um, while the other Sidurim put it in all of the locations, uh, even on Shabbat. Okay, so just moving a little forward, tonight, last time we looked at the history of the text, Tonight, I want to look at the text itself. Now, this is an avodah. This is a a labor. We're going to have to go through all of it. And it's not too much. Most of it is very familiar. And the issue with going plumbing the actual depths of the text is that the Rishonim had a great time uh, writing commentaries on uh, the Yotzer of Shabbat, and they wrote... Volumes of of commentary on these piyyutim, so much so that it's overwhelming. You could almost, you could literally uh, write a study on every single rishon and their understanding of yotzer r and build up their theologies of how Shabbat works and how an angelology of how their of how they understand uh, the heavenly spheres and the heavenly bodies. Many of them discuss a lot of astronomy, how they understand the uh celestial bodies to work. So there's a lot there. Almost too much to discuss. We'd have to do one night for every uh medieval commentary. So I'm gonna to try to scratch the surface tonight and we'll do as much as we can. And uh you know, if there's if anyone's interested, of course, uh, there there's the Pyrrhush of the Abu Dharham which is readily available, there's the Pyrrhus of the Rukakh, which is ready, readily available, and the Ashkenaz Ashkenaz, and many of the Rishonim, which are readily available. So if people are curious themselves, they can, they can pursue uh, those pirushim. So somebody asked me, I think it was my mother actually, um, a few weeks ago, about the beginning of yotzer or. So, so the Gemara says this is the um, that this beginning of the yotzer is paraphrasing uh you know Shalom which is based it's based on a pasuk I think it's in Yeshaya and there's this idea that I just wanted to expand on a little more because we did this last time of how this introduction to R works this is going to require a little bit of recap of Shurim we did a very long time ago <sighs> There are four meditative worlds that the tefillah goes through. The first is the world of Asiyah, the second is the world of Yetzirah, and the third is the world of Bria, and finally the world of Atzilut, and then there's a the dissension. These are Kabbalistic concepts, different meditative worlds which you ascend and descend through throughout the tefillah. According to the mikubalim the, the section of Kriyat Shema is the world of Bria, this is the world of thought, this is the world of, the world of intellect of intellect and higher angels and meditations that uh, cover the world of Biriyah, of pr- primal creation. So the words here are quite deliberate. Yotzer Or Uvorei Choshech. We are going from the world of Yetzirah higher to the world of Biriah. This is the, the progression of Yotzer Or Uvorei Choshech. And this idea that we're ascending the worlds plays out in the entire progression of the Brachot of Kriyat Shema. Because as the Zohar puts, there is seven heichalot, or seven chambers to the world of Bria. And every section of the Brachot of Kriyat Shema is an entrance into a different chamber of uh, the world world of Bria. Different heichal in every single section of the Brachot of Kriyat Shema. On Shabbat, this ascension, this meditative progression through the... Uh, or the chambers of Kriyat Shema is done slightly differently. So, to, to recap slightly, there's this idea that there are different stages of Hashem's uh, energy or light which is given into our world. There's Or, there's Mayim, there's Rakiya different types of ways that this energy could be manifest one of the ways that the or, that Hashem's light so to speak or his energy is radiated into our world is described as choshech and the mikubalim say that the reason it's called choshech is not because it is less it is dimmer than light it's not that Hashem created choshech as, as a privation of light when we say that Hashem created Choshech, it's not simply the privation of light, the the non-existence of light. Darkness is more than that. When we say Hashem created darkness, it's a creation of light which is not perceivable by humans. It is not perceivable by lower creations. It is so powerful. The, the, The level of Chesed and the level of energy is so powerful, it is not perceivable by the lower worlds. And for that reason, we call it Choshech. So Yotzer or the world of Yitzirah can bring us Or, but the Uberechol the world of Briya, relative to us, the Or of that world is like the world of the Hanagat HaYediyah, in the language of the, of the Ramchal. That Or is the um, that Or is the is is described as hoshek as darkness. After that, the the tefillah goes on and says, Oseh Shalom." And between these two powers of Oren Choshech, Hashem makes peace in order to to create all things. In order to generate the world of Asiyah, in order to generate the material world which we are familiar with, there has to be a progression of Hashem's and a contraction of Hashem's uh, greater energy and light through the world above us. That happens through... Um, through this contract, these contractions of light. That's the kabbalistic idea of how these words work. So, when we say Uboreat hakol, this is also kabbalistically deliberate hakol. The word ha-kol is used typically to describe a union of yesod and malchut. For that, the poet, this poetic insertion uh, turns or returns on the word hakol, and it says hakol yaduha also praise you, hakol and all will will. Uh, Sorry, all will thank you and all will praise you. There shall be none who are holy like you. The theme of this is very simple. And that is, typically on the weekday, we, we, ex- we praise Hashem beginning with the celestial bodies. Over here, as soon as, because we have more time, we say that even the celestial bodies praise Hashem. That's our, our immediate reaction. And then it poetically says, all of those... Um, Exalt you, the the Creator of all. Hakel the God, Right, the the God who opens every day the windows at the gates of the east, uh, meaning the sunrise, and who uh, how do you say bokeh? He splits the windows of the firmament. He takes out the sun from its place. Ulevana um, and the moon me'mechon shifta. And then he enlightens the entire world and those who dwell on it with the the measure, his his attribute of mercy. So this idea that of splitting uh, the windows of the heaven and, and the sun, there's a lot here. And that is because there's a famous Gemara regarding the nature of the of the orbit of the sun. It's a famous Gemara on Pesachim. I'll, I'll try to pull up the, the Gemara here in, uh, on Hebrew books so that we can all see it together. It's Gemara on and this Gemara mentions a dispute between the Chachmei Umot HaOlam and the Chachmei Yisrael, meaning the wise men, the scholars of the Gentile nations, and the wise men of B'nai Yisrael. Let me just share my screen so that we can uh, see this together. Here we go. Okay. Says the Marah, the scholars, the Jewish scholars say, Beyom, during the day, so they were trying to understand how the sun orbits the earth. During the daytime, the sun goes under the rakia, and in the nighttime it goes above the rakia. However, the Gentile nations say, yom during the daytime, that both during the day and the night it goes underneath the, the firmament. or Behuda said, the words of the Gentile scholars are more logical than ours, they seem to be correct because during the daytime, because in the daytime the wells are cold and at the nighttime they are boiling. So this is hard to explain if you're just hearing the words about what this, this, uh, what's the word, this disagreement is. To recap, in their time their image of the world, the the, peop- the way people saw the world was that they were standing on a flat disc and there was a dome on top of them. Just put that image in your head. You're on a flat disc, the sky is a dome on top of you. This is a semi-sphere. Now they understood that the world was circular, but the way they understood the celestial movements was with that kind of imagery. So imagine you have a flat disc and you have a dome on top of you. Imagine that dome is your yarmulke, is a kippah. So according to the Jewish scholars, during let's say you have this 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 metal this this firmament dome on top of this desk which is the earth so during the daytime the sun is underneath right it's it's visible to you because it's under the dome so you're underneath this dome and there's a light on, on the top of the dome and the, the sun is inside the dome in other words under under the roof of the dome and it's going from one side to the other however during the nighttime, when the sun sets where does it go so in the in the eyes of the Jewish scholars, as, as, as if you're learning this not kabbalistically, what they're saying is is that it goes behind the dome. So if it was on if it was under your kippah, it would be on top of your kippah. So it's it basically goes to the other side, travels on top of your kippah all the way, on uh, top of the dome all the way to the other side, and then slides back in and reappears on 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 the west. So. That's the way the Jewish scholars understood it. The Gentile scholars said, no, it's always underneath the dome, meaning they understood the firmament to be more more than just a a half a sphere, it was also a full sphere. It always goes around and it goes underneath the earth, goes underneath the disk, and it comes back up. And so Rebbe is saying that, well, the the Gentile scholars sound correct, because at nighttime, because the sun goes under the earth, and in their times they had this idea, they had this uh, phenomenon, that the, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, here, here's the, here's the wording, I'm sorry, the here we go, because during the daytime, when the sun isn't underneath, the springs are cold, because the sun is not underneath the springs, and by, during the nighttime, they are hot, because the sun is underneath the springs. So that was the way they understood it. So now, if you look at this, when it's said in, in our Yotzer Or, what does it say? It says, Motzi He takes the sun out from its place, shifta, and the moon from where it's resting. So the Itz Yosef points out here that it looks like the yotzer or is following the logic of the Jewish scholars. It's not following the logic of the Gentile scholars, because what do you mean you're taking the sun out of its place? That only works if the sun is actually escaping the dome and coming back. So therefore, he thinks it sounds like that this yotzer r is contradicting Rebbeinu Re- Hakadosh, and it instead is following the, Chach, the sorry, and it instead is following the Umot Yisra- yisrael. It's just an interesting thing to point out. The mikubalim point out also that chama and shemesh are different things. Uh, chama represents the spiritual power behind the shemesh. The shemesh is what we can see, but the chama is the spiritual power. Uh, behind it. So these are so the language, I just want to point out, is very deliberate when it says chama, uh, that he takes the sun out of its place. Okay, um, let's go a little further. The Rokeach and the Hasidic Ashkenaz have a fascinating tradition about this section. They say that there is a Malach whose name is Shachriel, like Shachar Kel, uh, like in the morning, uh, got got like some godly function of the morning, and this malach is the angel which opens the windows or splits the firmaments. And I, as best as I could, uh, Svaria search, Google search, I couldn't find any other Madrashic or agadic reference to such an angel called Shachriel. So it's some sort of tradition that only the Hasidic Ashkenaz had, that I really can't find another source for. There's also variations in how they say it. The Rokaiach says that, okay, so there's windows facing our world, and in another place, he says, the windows face the other world. So there's this whole complicated way that they understand how the sun leaves. You know, when they saw the sun set, well, where did it go? Or When the sun rise, where is it coming from? So they had a very interesting understanding of that, and it's reflected in their writings. And they have this mysterious angel called Shachriel, which doesn't appear anywhere in our our Midrashim, doesn't appear uh, anywhere, to, to my knowledge. So that's, that's um, uh, an interesting mystery uh, for other research tr- researchers to go down that, that rabbit hole. But um, th- this is basically the ideas of how, of, this is scratching the surface of how the Rishonim speak about um, these concepts of Bokea Ha'alon the windows of the firmaments. It's based on Gemarot. It's based on this idea of there being chalonot, of there being windows in the firmament. Etc. Okay, so from that point on, from from Hamir Laretzar Adam Malab Rachamim, that's the weekday section. Then finally, at the end, it says Ein Aruch Lcha Vein Zulatach Right? The Sfaradi or the Ashkenazi It used to be Ein Ke'er That that was the original way that it was said by most Nuschaot. That's a very deliberate order. If you pay attention to the wording when you when you're davening, it says Ein Aruch Lcha Vein Zulatach Umidomalacha, and then it explains itself meaning there is no one comparable to you in this world. and there is nothing other to you in the future in the the future world. there is nothing like you. Go aleinu, our Savior in the and who could compare it to you? L'tchiyat our Savior Now there's a very uh, it's interesting the order in which it puts things. You have first Olam Hazeh, then Olam Haba, then you have Yemot HaMashiach, and finally T'chiyat HaMitim. Now we all know that there's a hot debate in the, in the Rishonim, in the Medi- medieval scholars, as to what comes first. There's many different Midrashim and Agadot which have these different languages. L'atid Lavo, uh, Olam Haba, uh, Yemot HaMashiach, T'chiyat Ha-Mitim. And so during medieval times, Jewish theologians struggled with exactly what was the nature of the Yemot mm-hmm. and how the prophecies were going to be fulfilled and what were the intentions be- be- uh, behind many of the Midrashim, which are found in Chazal and the Agadot and the Gemarot. So there's a lot of hinging on this order, if you think about it. You have the Olam Azeh, then you have Olam Ba. Then you have Yemot HaMashiach, and then you have Tehiyat HaMetim. This will recall to many the progression of the Rambam, that there is going to be a time called Tehiyat HaMetim. And there's also a discussion, if you look in the Rahot Chaim, whether or not you're going to have a time of a spiritual existence, which is exclusively spiritual, or it's going to be a physical existence in the future world. So that's, that's something to, to keep in mind that um, although it's a little out of scope to talk about that entire discussion, mm-hmm. uh, it is something to keep in mind that, that this order here, whoever wrote it, if it's Gaonic or earlier, that this order is, in fact, uh, deliberate. So the first thing, or, or I think it's a Hershey who says, the first thing it says is, Why? Because we're here speaking um, in contrast to the heavenly bodies, which are men- mentioned in Yotzer R that there's that there's nothing that could be compared to them. Then, there's nothing except for you, meaning even in Olam Haba, there's nothing that is as good as HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. Um, the Yemot HaMashiach will be impossible without Hashem, even though people will think that there's things that lead up to it. It's completely the Yad Hashem. And Midom is the mastery. There's nothing that compares to is the mastery of that Hashem can... Completely controls life and death. Okay, let's go a little bit further because um, uh, we're going to we'll never run out of things to speak about. The next piyut is Keladon, right? Keladon al baruch cholad This replaces the Kel baruch that we have in the weekday. So now the first probably one of the early commentaries on Kel Adon is the Zohar. And there's two different sides of the aisle that uh, Jewish Orthodoxy sit on. Some in Jewish Orthodoxy believe that the Zohar is a work of the Tanaim. And then there are some, probably a minority, who believe that it is a work of pseudepigraphic fiction. And a lot of it hinges on areas like this, where the Zohar goes to explain things which were invented far later than the Zohar purports to have been written. For example, where the Zohar explains Nikudot, or the Zohar here explains Keladon and the Zohar here explains sections of the Kriyat Shema, which, as to, best, to the best of our knowledge, or to the knowledge of the Rishonim, were only written in the time of the Geonim, which is in the 600s, 700s, 800s, for the Zohar, which purports to be a work of, ta- of the Tanaim, for the Tanaim to be describing and, commentating, uh, and commenting on uh, Kel uh, Keladon and Kel Baruch, and team of this nature is highly questionable. So there are many opinions on both sides of the aisle. Some take a balanced view. Um, modern researchers believe that the Zohar was definitely written by a number of people, not just one person. So there is the possibility that there are sections of the Zohar which are indeed Tanoic, and there are sections which were, were indeed added later. There is no end to the amount of controversial opinions people can have about the nature of the Zohar, but this this. These comments of the Zohar leave us with deep questions about uh, the 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 um, the authenticity or the dating of the Zohar. So, or if you're going to be uh, super religious and you really do believe in every word of the Zohar and that every single one of the words of the Zohar is in fact tanaik, all the tikunim and every section of Zohar is in fact tanaik, um, then you would be forced to say that these piutim as well are tanaik, which rewinds the clock for uh, Jewish poetry. At least, canon Jewish poetry back to the time of the Tanaim, which the Bali Tosafot wouldn't have had a problem with doing. But uh, just the evidence doesn't seem to be there that we have piyutim of this nature from the time of the Tanaim. So everyone can believe what they choose. I'm not going to insert myself into that uh, Pandora's box. However, this is the the this is an area where the Zohar's comments are important. A for their brilliance and B for his realization. So the czar discusses how Kel Baruch is replaced by Keladona Adon and he's aware that he describes obviously in Truma. We discussed this before how there's different Hechalot of bria, and typically there's a tikkun. Of the Olam Habria which is called the Tikkun Olam Ha-Tachton, in the words of the Mikubalim. That means that there's a Tikkun of Malchut. Yet on Shabbat, and I'm not going to describe what all this stuff means, there's a Tikkun of the Olam HaElyon, which in the words of the Mikubalim means uh, the Tikkun of Bina. So that's why the process on Shabbat is slightly different. In the world of Kabbalah, there are large otiot, otiot Dolot and otiot ketanot, larger words and smaller, large letters and small letters. They're represented by large letters in the Sefer Torah and small letters in the Sefer Torah, which occasionally are printed, uh, which are, sorry, written by the scribe. And the Sefer Torah is bigger, like the Ayin and Shema and the Dalet in Shema. And you have smaller letters, by, by ikra, you have a small Aleph. So these letters in the Torah are expansions and contractions of different... Types of creative powers, and the Zohar explains that during the weekday, what we are representing is the Otiot Kitanot, Because for every letter, for every letter of the Aleph Beit, we have one word: Kel, Baruch, Gedol, Daya, Hechinufal, Fal, As and if we look, if you look in the Imre Shafer, it's extreme. It's extremely fascinating. It's a pirush on the Sidhar HaGrab and Nigel He has a, an amazing pirush on how and what kabbalistically all of this means. But during the weekday, every letter gets one word. However, on Shabbat, every letter gets multiple words. So the Zohar points out how, the exact amount. The first two, you have Kel is five, and the, and the Aleph and Beit have five. Then the middle 18 have four each, they have four words each. And the last two have six words each. So you have So each of those have six. And the Zohar has complex reasons for what those numbers are. But if you pay attention, four times 18, the middle 18, four times 18 is 72, and that's the name of Hashem. The first two is, uh, the first Aleph and base is five words each. The 10, the last two are six words each. So that's 12. So the Ebederham notices this as well. Ben Benyakr notices this as well. And they give slightly different reasons. The Rvut Bnei Akar doesn't go as far, but the Abu uh, uh message is that, that this represents that the Shekhinah, which is represented by the name of Ayn Bit, took the Torah, which is represented by ten, the Asar Mamarot, and gave it to the Shvatim of Klai Israel, to the twelve. Gave the Torah to uh, the twelve tribes of Bnei Israel. Why this would be mentioned here, I have no idea. But that's 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 his assertion for the significance of those numbers. There is more depth to it in the Kabbalistic writings. Of why the shame of ayin bit is mentioned here, uh, particularly probably because of the hechal in. I think this is this one is either hechal azchut or I don't remember quite which one. But um, that is that is something to note that there's a deliberate number of words. For that reason, many of the commentators will say no, it's not baruch Hu umvorach, it's baruch umvorach that Hashem is blessed and blessed by others uh, because you can't add an extra who because that would break the amount of words in Keladon. Um, okay, let me just let's just go through the title the, the 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 translation very quickly and we'll continue with the end of this. Keladon al God is the master of all, all works, Baruch Umvarach, blessed one and he is blessed the fiqhl and the shama. So there's a lot of comments about what Umvarach means that he is blessed, meaning is there an innate recognition, an instinctual recognition by his creations that he exists? That that's what it means umvorach, or other ideas around what it means that Hashem is not just Baruch but also mvorach. The fichol that in the words of every living soul, God his greatness and goodness fills the world, Daatut Hodo, his wisdom and insights around his glory. Um, in, earlier uh, versions of this said v'im Oto, not hodo. But um, the, the Svaradi versions, if I'm remembering correctly, say Hodo. Hamit al chayot Hakodesh, who exalts himself over the, uh, over the chayot Hakodesh, the, the, the holy chayot. Uh, this means that Hashem is exalted even among the highest celestial beings. Uh, and his splendorous and glory above the chariot. Merit and fairness are before his throne. Chesed v'odo. Uh, mer- kindness and mercy fill his glory. Tovim Good are the luminaries that Hashem has created. He created, he fashioned them with wisdom, with insight, and with intellect and discernment. This is uh, referring to all the heavenly bodies which are referred to in the are like the sun, the moon, the stars, all of the, the angels which control those things. Those are the the world of Sikhli, if you if you speak in the philosophical terms, they're the the, the, the things which are Sihliim. Behem. He is given them strength and power, meaning as like strings, not as actual, not as independent power. Liot Moslim tevel, in order to be dominant within the world, they are the the conduits for Hashem's power in the world. Maleim ziv umafikim noga, they are filled with uh, luster and radiating brightness. Uh, noga is really glow, but okay. Na Ivan bechol haolam, and their luster is beautiful throughout the world. Simechim bezeitam, sasim bevoam, osim beema. So we replace the Samach here with a sin, interestingly enough. We do not use the Samach. Uh, I'm not sure why. I have not yet found the reason. I'm, I will, if I do find the reason, I'll return to you. That splendor and glory they bestow upon His name. They give jubilation and glad song upon the mention of his reign. Surat He called out to the sun, HaShem commanded the sun, and it glowed with light. Uh, he called out, he, fa- he saw and fashioned the moon, uh, uh, the Surat Levana, the form of the moon. So it's interesting that we use the word of forming for the moon, because the first there's like a B'riah of the Shemesh, and then there's a formation of the moon. But the Torah points out that some people here say v'hiktin. I don't think anyone says this anymore, but instead of saying v'hiktin, that he fashioned, Hashem uh, diminished the, the moon, which is the famous Midrash that Rashi brings, that um, in Bereshis, that Hashem first created the sun and the moon as, as equal powers, and then he diminished uh, the power of the moon. lo kol um, all the hosts that bestow praise upon him, splendor and greatness, the seraphim, the chayot, the ofanim, which are holy. Okay, so little by little, the seraphim. at the end here, there's two ways of of um, ending this piyut. There's the Sfaradi and the ashkenaz. The Sfaradi way of doing it and the temani as well is seraphim v'chayot. You have first Rafim. Then chayot and then ofanim hakodesh. Um, some had the ofanim the chayot So here in the Ashkenaz version, you have uh, hold up, seraphim and then ofanim and then chayot hakodesh. All right, first seraphim, then ofanim, and then chayot. So this order, actually the, the Zohar's version has the Ashkenaz order, astoundingly, not the, Sephard, the Sephardic the order. And the Mekubalim are adamant that the Sephardic order is correct. Why? Because the Seraphim are from the world of Bria, the Chayot are from the world of Yitzira, and the Ofanim are from the world of, of Asiyah. There's no angels in, in Atzilut, And therefore, they say that the order is deliberate. First you have Seraphim, which are the highest, then Chayot, and then finally the lowest are the Ofanim on the lowest world. And the Ashkenazim don't subscribe to that order. Why? I'm not sure. But However, when I looked in the Sidurim of the Hasidic Ashkenaz, it did seem to me, and I suspect this is true, that in their angelological systems, they believed the chayot were the highest uh, degree. So the Ashkenaz version would be the opposite. They would do first rafim, ofanim, and then chayot, because they were going to go from lowest to highest instead of from highest to lowest. That's my suspicion. Um, I don't know if it's true. I know that the Mekubalim consider the the ideas of the of the that many of the systems of that of the Hasidic Ashkenaz to be incorrect. They believe that they made many mistakes uh, as far as angels are concerned, as far as the Kiseh Kabod is concerned. So that's an interesting area of study, but we're going to exhaust our time if we go a little too far into that. Okay, a little bit further, we have Lekhel Shavat. Lekhel Shavat is the final piyut. Last week we mentioned a very interesting point about this uh, piyut. Sorry about this. Uh, the The piyut describes a praised Hashem, and within it, it says how the day of Shabbat itself praises Hashem. Right. So we um, we mentioned that they found in the Cairo Geniza a very similar piyut written for Thursday, not just for Shabbat, but also for Thursday, that the day, Yom HaChamishi praises Hashem with Harninu Lelokimu Zenu, with its Shir Shalyom. Therefore, it would be apparent that it's quite possible that this piyut is the remnant of a set of seven piyutim, which each one was written for a different day of the week, and this isn't unique to Shabbat. Rather, it's the only survivor of that set of seven pu teams. So that would be interesting if it was true. Now, if we read it together, um, we'll get a gist of the wording. There's actually a difference in the end for the Ashkenaz one versus the Sephardi one. I'm sorry, I don't know the Ashkenaz one by heart. Uh, but this goes back all the way to the early Ashkenazi sources. This is not just a, uh, a recent uh, change. So the Sephardim say, "...L'akel Shabbat mikolam ha'masim Nit Allah, the Ashkenazim um, say Hit Allah. V'yashavakhisiklchvodoh to the God who rested from all works, and on the seventh day he was elevated and sat on the throne of glory. Menucha. So with splendor um, he enwrapped the day of Menucha, rest or contentment. Oneg Karaliyom Shabbat, and he declared the Shabbat the day of delight. Ze Shir Shavakshiyom Shavivi. This is the day of the seventh day, for on this day Hashem um, rested from all of His labor. And on the seventh day, the seventh day itself uh, uh, praises and says, Therefore all of Hashem's uh, crea- uh, formations, creations, shall praise Him. With praise and... Um, uh, honor greatness and glory yetenu la melchot Kol, they should give to the king who fashions everything hamanchil menucha la amo shabbat kodash who uh, gives a heritage of menucha to his people on the day of shabbat kodash the, the way the ashkenazim end this is a little different they say hamanchil melchot kol hamanchil menucha la amo yisobi b'yom shabbat kodash shimcha shemelkin kadash zikhrecha and then they go on with shimcha shemelkin kadash uh, Okay, so there's two interesting midrashim that are brought by the uh, Rishonim regarding this uh, piyut. One of them is slightly easier to understand than the other. So I'll just bring them both as they appear in the Hasid Ashkenaz. There's many different ways, well, really in the Siddur of Shlomo Ben Rav um from Worms. There's v- very many different ways that they are presented. They're not midrashim that we have in the canon midrashim. They're bizarre, and they use these midrashim as ways to explain the history of this piyut. So here's one version of the first midrash. This is what we say in B'Reshit We Again, we don't have this in our B'Reshit Rabbah. So it says there's from worms. The day in which death was declared on Adam HaRishon was Shabbat, meaning the seventh day, that's when he sinned, and when he did Teshuvah. And the day of Shabbat girded itself with weapons um, and came to his side to help him. What this means exactly, I'm not sure. What I think it means is that the Koach HaTeshuvah, which is represented by Shabbat, came to assist him. The higinah Lavmin Amitana protected him from death. Amar, uh, Adam Harishon then began to praise, and he said, Mizmor Shirleyoma Shabbat, kill Omar, attain sheer al-Sabbat, I shall give praise to Shabbat, Shahina which protected me. Anta Shabbat, Shabbat itself replied to him, The Amratovlahodot La Hashem, it is only good to praise Hashem. Nimtsah Atzmo that we find. That the seventh day itself is the one that praises. So there's a dialogue here between Adam HaRishon and this thing called Shabbat, whether it's the Shekhinah or some form of thing which he praises. So in, in this Midrash, Mizmar Shilm HaShabbat is Adam HaRishon talking. Tov is, HaShem is Shabbat talking, that no, don't praise Shabbat, praise HaShem. So the second um, Midrash, which is brought... and. the by the way, that wouldn't make much sense in our in, to to explain our piyut, even though this is what they how they bring it for. Simply because in our piyut, the yom hashiv itself is the one that says more not a But anyway, my um, digress. Moving forward, the next midrash that they bring. Oh, I wish I could get a, a cleaner version of this. Sorry for the delay. Here we go. There's this... I don't even know how to word this because the Midrash is so bizarre. But there's this episode here where it says, Yeshav here, They bring it from. This is Seder Rabbah of Bereshit, which is a, a set of Midrashim. They say that Hashem, I, I, I really wish I could say this simply because there's just no way to, to quote this Midrash simply. It says that there's this episode where Hashem is sitting on the throne of Simcha. Uh, let me just phrase it here. I'm trying to find, what does it mean that Hashem uh, enwrapped the Yom in, in, HaMenucha uh, in glory? That Hashem did a great honor for Shabbat, or La, really, to her, um, HaShem placed Shabbat on his throne in front of all the other officers, meaning all the other angels. Um, and when they saw this, And when they saw this, they began to praise the, the, uh, the angel of Shabbat. HaShem showed this joy to Adam HaRishon, and I'm skipping the whole part about his throne of, HaShem sat on his throne of glory, of, his, of happiness, and all different angels came to praise him. And Adam Arishon said, When Adam Arishon saw that all the other angels were praising Shabbat, he himself said, "Mizmor You're saying shira to Shabbat, not to me. Once the Shabbat saw that it Hashem wanted them to praise Hashem, the Yom of Shabbat got off of the throne and it's saying Hashem, and everybody replied, shimcha That is what it means. Shavach yom That's that's the Kavod which Hashem did for the for the for for the Shabbat itself. Meaning that all that the Tovla dot Hashem happened to it. So that's the that Hashem. there's this episode where I guess during creation, where Hashem gave a great glory to the to the day of Shabbat, placing it on his throne, so to speak, and then the Adam Arishon was called and there was some sort of dialogue between Adam Arishon and Hashem about what's the proper way to praise Hashem, and finally uh, the sheer of Yom Shabbat was, you know, fleshed out during this dialogue. So that would explain in their view, the the Kelash Shabbat, the entire piyut, that on the seventh day it goes onto the Kiseh Hakavod, right? On the seventh day, Hashem put the seventh uh, the Shabbat onto the Kiseh Hakavod. Tiferet He did a great glory for the Yom HaMenucha Shabbat, and he called it a delight. Uh, I guess that connotes the 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 Simcha. And Zeshir Shavak Shimashabash, and then the Piyud continues with the with the actual praise that the Mashabi said, which is Mizmor Shir leom Hashabbat. Therefore, Lefiha Hifara Khali Surav and therefore all the other angels replied Um Tashem Shabikar Gdula vichavod. So that's the uh the other midrash that the Rishonim bring, the kolbo or Chotchaim, Achideyashknaz, or Keach, everybody brings this uh this midrash to explain. Uh, the piyut. So this, I think for now, will uh, suffice a summary of the discussion of the text of the brachot of Kriyat Shema. Uh, Bezrat Hashem, if there's nothing else to cover, I'll have to just do an examination, then next week we'll start with the Shemona Esrei of Shachrit and uh, the Smach Moshe B'matnat Chalko. And following that, obviously, we'll continue with all the anomalies of uh, this Siddur. So Bezrat Hashem, I hope to see everybody Uh, next week. Thank you for a lot for attending.